Hey everyone, this is Johnny Rubes here in Virginia Beach at Mount Trashmore Park, and you are listening to 2400 Block Podcast. Enjoy today's episode. Hello listeners, this is Johnny Reeves here on the mic, and welcome to episode number 10 of the 2400 Block Podcast. This is the season finale. I also want to dedicate this to the enduring memory of Jack Judd. We hope all of you enjoyed this one. At first, it seemed impossible that we would get this far from the very beginning, but here we are, closing out the first season. Now, part of today's episode features a behind-the-scenes audio segment of the 2400 Block Podcast, and for the next couple of minutes, I will provide additional insight on the making of these episodes as well as how this project came together as a whole. Thanks in part to the supportive cast and, of course, my crazy proactive mind that has me going everywhere in different directions with all these spontaneous ideas. Me and my team have put forth a lot of our time and effort just so we could have the chance to be noticed and heard across the nation as well as around the world. And it's amazing where this particular type of medium takes us even to this day. Some episodes this season were terrific, others not so good. I even made attempts to make one episode different than the other. Remember, I just keep experimenting. I'll discuss this more at length in a few. The best part really was surviving each podcast session and getting the finished product out there to a podcast streaming platform ASAP. I am proud to say that the second season of the 2400 Block Podcast is coming as early as next year. As I plan to take a brief hiatus, allowing me enough time to work on a story that I'm currently pending for a book. And hopefully that too will come to fruition. Just like this podcast show you're hearing right now on your headphones or Bluetooth speaker. I expect greater things to shape up next season because we have a lot in store to take this show to a whole new different level in ways it hasn't yet. We aim to make a lot of improvements and change things up soon. Maybe today's episode would be a good template going forward. Yeah, I believe so. Anyways, enjoy this one. of my humble beginnings was being on the mic. When I was a kid, I used to record myself on cassette tape and spontaneously talk about anything that was going on around us. It was like a reality show before reality shows existed, really. I had my younger bro participate with me, too. We would be doing crazy stuff like making different types of laughs and noises or doing crazy infomercials on mail orders. We were also doing 
play-by-play commentary when we were making our Masters of the Universe action figures into wrestling superstars as they fought on this white-colored square box with a logo, which was the ring. Then as I got older in my teenage years, it was about the writing. Me and my friend Ariel would create our own publication that we kept to ourselves. No one else would be seeing that. We would be writing about some of the things going on around us, compiling a list of the top hottest girls in the school, and make funny job classified ads. That right there was the continuance of my creative process with the assist from my friend. And as the transition from high school to college came about, I was on the mic yet again. I made some cassette tapes for myself and my friends, in which I sounded like the typical radio DJ introducing a song coming up among other things. And then there were some sappy ones with slow jams in which I gave to the ladies out there thinking I would ultimately win their hearts. How embarrassing, right? Even worse now is that my parents just unearthed those treasure trove of cassette tapes that I stashed in the shed and are hearing it right now in the family home. Imagine that. That is a, that is a total embarrassment, really. Woo! Upon hearing that, my body temperature dropped and I'm like, oh shit. Okay, okay. Let me shift that to the positive. They are hearing the making of the legend, their own son, me. And this leads to the exciting part. My best friend Danny referred me to Emer, who had his own DJ entertainment service business in the area called Variety Tunes. They had me doing MC gigs for weddings, birthday celebrations, that kind of thing. Since I had zero DJing skills, none whatsoever. However, I made some decent money besides working as a grocery bagger. It was fun while it lasted, and I got over the stage fright part too. Thank goodness. The years went by and I worked odd jobs. Many co-workers and friends would say to me time and time again that I had this DJ personality voice and that I should be heard on the radio instead. It was a cool-ass compliment to hear, but the confidence I once had was pretty much gone, like, pfft, disappeared. In between, I started doing other things to gauge my interest furthermore, such as video work, photography, and writing. I watched two seasons of this one great TV show on CBS called God Friended Me, and there was this character, Miles Feiner, who podcasted on the side for his show, The Millennium Prophet. Miles and his closest circle of family and friends made a difference in helping others around them. That woke me up a bit because I want to do the same thing in real life too, to make a difference. And then I started listening to podcasts this year on my iPhone XS. Yup, in 2020, right at the time COVID-19 just began here in the U.S., here I am, now looking like an old man, sporting this full-grown beard, bald head. And if it grew back, it would start looking like the Philippine Islands. Really. I had my headphones on, and then the other creative part of myself that hibernated for so long has indeed, in fact, returned. I wanted in on the podcast action since my friends from church were already doing their respective shows too. I didn't want the opportunity to pass by on me, so I asked two of them on how to get started on one. From there, I spent big on podcast equipment and supplies that I needed so badly. Thanks to those individuals. So what's next? I needed some intro. It didn't have to be a killer one, but perhaps catchy. You know what? That's all I needed. You hear this techno style beat? It has become very synonymous with the 2400 Block Podcast. If anyone has been listening to most of our episodes so far. That's actually one of two beats that we have, courtesy of the one and only, The Narrator Beats, who is a good friend of mine from the Norfolk, Virginia Beach area. He is very talented, and I'm thankful for his effort and time into creating these 
particular beats exclusively for the 2400 Block Podcast. And coming up next, an interview with the Narrator Beats. Okay, I got the narrator beats right now. He's going to answer a few questions that I'm going to ask, and let's go with it. How did you get started into crafting beats as a full-time business? Well, I got crafting some doing beats as a full-time business back in high school when I first discovered that my beat had a lot to give, and I had a lot of artists that had a lot more to give onto the track, so I tried to maneuver it through different cities and asking it to different states in which it had me traveling, so I just wanted to keep pursuing that and turn to something bigger and the next question in regards to this techno intro for the 2400 block podcast now how long did it take for you to complete the first draft like how many hours or days i would say for to make this one right here i had to really get into my club feel because my my signature or my style and beats is really trapped I'm more like dirty style, but I had to really get deep in depth with a high pace. I had to get my vibrations in order, but I say about a few hours and a couple of days to just sum it all up. Wow, that's great. And I'm glad you made that for us, by the way. Of all the hip hop artists that are on the scene right now, which one has the dopest beats? Out of all the artists that I've been listening to, I would say uh, Money Man. Money Man got a lot of good beats on his, on his tracks, and he got a good style with it, too, so. Uh-huh. Money Man. Okay. And what is your official website, if you have any right now? Well, I don't have a website right now that's official because I actually have a countdown that'll be starting off in December, if not earlier in uh, November, and it's actually going to be the narrative beats and GQ to Hitman Productions. Great. And lastly, would you like to put in the sales plug for your business right now while we're at it here with this interview? Um, as far as the sales plug, um, I would definitely put that in my promotion when I drop my promo video, and um, you all will find out soon because I would definitely be posting it not just on Facebook, but it'll be on Worldstar and, and Instagram and everywhere else that you can find beats. It's going to be on all platforms, so you won't miss it. All right, get ready, world. And thanks so much to Narrator Beats for your time. All the best and your success, my friend, and looking forward to hearing more of your work soon. Appreciate you. So here we are now, the 2400 Block Podcast has officially joined the big pond of podcast shows. The question in everybody's mind, specifically my closest circle of friends was, what's this show going to be about? To be honest, it basically stems on a mixture of pop culture, society, current events, and we also talked about self-improvement too. That pretty much summed up that entire first season. I promise the second season is going to be an interesting one. Just you wait. Okay, let's get to the nitty gritty here. It's about these episodes from this first season. Come hell or high water, we went forward with each one of them. The pilot episode number one was something I eagerly wanted to discuss. The topic was about communities. I gotta admit, I had anxiety on the mic because it was indeed the first time I did an actual podcast recording. It's very obvious if you play it back. I was a nervous wreck, I kid you not. 
I realized afterwards that the community's topic didn't fully gauge the interest of my fellow castmates. It did not click with them and it wasn't catchy either. I can't shoulder the blame on them for that. It just wasn't podcast worthy to discuss. Big mistake on my part. That topic was a major dud. Major fail. All that was left with the show moving forward to the next episode, number two, titled The Bucket List. I thought this was a decent topic. I anchored alongside a very positive-minded person who goes by the name Aguacate, and she definitely had the heart of gold. We were both able to weigh in on the subject at times, being off-topic, talking about other things on a tangent. But still, we managed to carry through, and I was no longer a nervous wreck, thank goodness. I appreciated her help big time. Finally, anxiety was out of the way. Episode number three was nearest and dearest to me. It was personal, and I wanted this episode itself to carry enough gravitas and substance as a means to pay tribute to three of my best friends. I spoke a lot more than previous two episodes. It was a great collaborative effort, thanks in part to other friends who chimed in about their own experiences. I also managed to get sound bites of Cindy and Galen, as well as to get more of that personal feel. By far, this is the most popular episode to date, garnering over 30 plus plays. I already had a feeling beforehand that I was going to knock it out of the park. It is truly the benchmark episode of the 2400 Block Podcast that stands well on its own to this very day. And I'm so proud of that achievement. Special thanks go out to Lyndon, Anthony, Lynn Marie, and Edgardo for their contributions. If it weren't for them, this episode wouldn't be as great as it was. And on episode number four, It was an enjoyable piece because the topic was all about the classic cartoons we've come to grow and love. My special guest Ron described his love for Robotech, particularly the Macross Saga. He wasn't able to delve deeply into the other cartoons. However, I was able to bring those up to attention every once in a while. But that alone couldn't save this episode until I got a hold of Jimmy. He was able to cover a good portion afterwards with me. And the same goes for Christine. She was spectacular. As for myself, I felt I didn't do much of a good job. I wasn't able to ask as many questions or proceeded further in loquacious fashion. That's still my weakness, but I admit I'm getting better. On the next two episodes, number five and number six, they dealt with current events. I decided to go about a different approach by recording a a session live on the spot with no edits. It's all raw. And this saved a lot of time on my end because I was busy in my own life working two jobs at the time. These supposed to have been just one episode, but my friends were not available on the the same time slot. So I had to work with both of them at their respective schedules. But in the later episode, number nine, they were reunited in a free-for-all topic discussion. The only thing that got in the way was technical issues. And it just ruined the whole thing entirely. Now it leads me here to this template similar to that of the third episode, which was dedicated to my three best friends. I think this idea, this concept can work. I believe in that. Well, let me move on. All right. Episode number seven was one I personally enjoyed making with my best friend, Ray. We were on fire with a topic called improving your lifestyle. 
but there was something very noticeable. We kept saying, you know, between our talk. It's very common for us, like it's nothing but to listeners everywhere. It can be an annoyance, because really, who would want to listen to that? Unless you're someone that's so accustomed to it, we are working on ways to curb it down. On episode 9, we showed promise. We're getting better, especially the you know part. And as for episode number 8, I kind of put, put an asterisk on that. You see, it remains shelved and unfinished at the moment. I'm trying to get it off the ground for a next season release, but it seems like it's, it's, it's getting nowhere as of right now. I only interviewed two out of five people so far, which isn't bad. And I got about 40 minutes of audio footage as we speak. And I'm trying to go for an hour and 30 minutes tops. I will have to keep pushing for this project to go on and to get it released for next season. So there you have it. The 2400 Block Podcast first review in a nutshell from yours truly here. We survived. Yay. Let's hope the second one exceeds your expectations. This is the behind the scenes segment. First off, how do I make an episode? Well, it starts off with a fresh topic in mind, followed by a series of questions, information, and ideas written on paper right before the actual podcast session begins. That is how I am able to discuss the topic deeply and effectively with fellow castmates. Next up is the technical part of it. I have to check up on the microphone and headphones physically connected to the roadcaster and make sure they are all on the proper levels. The same goes for the Bluetooth feature in which the live calls are being heard by the listener as well as myself. I definitely can't have one louder than the other. Various sounds and effects are already lined up to go. As far as a live recording is concerned, that always leaves room for error. And it happens every so often. There's no such thing as the perfect podcast. But thanks to an audio editing software, it will sound absolutely flawless like nothing bad ever took place. The process itself can be lengthy, taking up a few hours or so depending on the number of errors. But in the end, it'll be worth it. However, not all technical issues can be resolved through editing alone. I've already had one episode that was just too much to handle with a mic issue from the caller's side. It's the recent episode. Number nine. I'm just glad that was done. Post-production usually lasts a day or so when there's minimal mistakes. For that one, it was just ongoing. Then here's the fun part. And that's uploading the episode itself onto a podcast streaming platform. In my case, mine's is on Anchor, in which I highly recommend, especially for those that are just getting into podcasting like I have already this year. Shifting gears now, there's something from a few weeks ago that a friend of mine suggested. There's this online article from BoardPanda.com about Doug Marino, an award-winning editor who was getting tired of seeing these quote-unquote under-40 lists and wanted someone who got their PhD at age 60 after losing everything. Basically, he wanted anyone over 40 years old to share their success stories even through the struggles. Now many have followed this particular thread and provided their perspective directly to Moreno himself on Twitter. My friend Dan said to me in a Facebook comment that this sounds like a good podcast topic, and I'm actually open to the idea, which leads to us here right now. 
on the second half of this episode. Also, in just a few, I will have Dan with me here. The two of us are going to talk about our own success stories as we are now up there in age. Especially me just having turned 46 a few days ago. Me and Dan, we go way back. We've seen each other in high school. He was a senior. I was a freshman. We also worked as grocery baggers. In addition, his mom and my mom were workmates too. And it's been years, really. So let's catch up on the present and see what he's been up to since. Hey, Dan. How are you, man? Doing well, John. Thanks. How are you? Good. Man, it's been a long time, bro, since we last heard or seen yes. each other, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we're just saying how, you know, we, you know, communicate electronically through Facebook, you know, and, and typing, but to actually hear your voice, it's been a, a long time. Yeah, man. It's been since, what, the 90s, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Time flies. All right, so we are going to be talking about success stories for people over 40 years old like us. And mm-hmm. we're going to be starting to read some Twitter posts on that article I like to share here on the podcast that comes from real people. All right, so here we go. I'm going to start off with the first one, okay? All right. All right, someone wrote, not skateboarding, but... Had a stroke in 2006 that still affects me. Last year at 51, I started adult gymnastics with no previous gymnastics experience. 20 years older than the next oldest student. Overweight and unfit. Did my first unassisted forward somersault last December. Thumbs up emoji. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I've got one here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I was laid off 2008 after 26 years on the job. Started a bachelor's in 2009, <clears throat> graduated honors 2013, started a PhD 2014 at 51 years old, expect to graduate weight next year at 57. Before, I was a nervous wreck, even introducing myself in a group, now teaching classes, learned so much and grown so much as a person. Definitely. Awesome. All right, let me read this one here. Rebuilt my life after losing both of my sons. Now 74 and about to publish publish my first book, a memoir. Am I still a mother? Wow. Definitely have to check that out. Yeah. This one here I see is approaching 50, lost everything twice. Now I have a tiny home. That's all I need. Raise thousands every year for charity to help others get back on their feet through my hobby of photography. And I'm about to have a book published. Mostly, I've learned to have less and give more. Cool. Good luck. All right. And this one I hear, it says, I began as a pianist and a teacher at 14, then became a graphic designer. I came to the U.S. and at 48 went back to university to study French literature, Arabic, and world cultures, and was a translator. I could finally escape an abusive marriage. Now I'm a writer, a painter, my life's dream. And I've got a last one here. Start off bad again. Lost everything at 52. Went to law school. Will be ready in a few months to start the next inning of my life as an attorney. Looking forward to it. Smiling emoji. Cool. Amazing testimonials from these individuals. And they weathered through the storm to get to where they are in life and being successful at it. I'm sure many of you listeners who are over 40 years old have something similar in mind. 
and it would be great if you too can share your perspective with me. You can send me an email message to the podcast email address, which is 2400block at mail.com. That's T W E N T Y, number 400, block, B L O C K, at mail.com. All right. Well, Dan, my friend, I'm sure you have your own experience to tell, or maybe you know of someone that has truly succeeded uh, around that age, over 40 years old. You care to elaborate? Uh, yeah, sure. I, you know, um, definitely. I, I think right now, um, in my forties, I'm. I wouldn't say that I'm. You, I could call myself a success. Success is a very uh, subjective word. Uh, one person's uh-huh. success is definitely not another person's success. But I am in uh, the throes of what I'd love to do. To me, the definition of success is doing what you love, even if you didn't have to get paid for it, and, and not getting tired of it every day. Now, my passion right now is actually filmmaking. Um, I started my own LLC a couple of years ago um, for uh, digital media and video production. And um, I've always been interested in that. Even you know, It was like a hobby mm-hmm. back when I was in you know, high school and college. And now, you know, I've been able to you know, create a lot of short films. Got my entry on IMDb, you know, and I've uh, oh, wow. worked with some semi-famous people sometimes. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's definitely something I love doing. So I guess I, I guess I have my own story, my own personal story. Oh, that's great. Well, I do know I have uh, something in mind that you have, that you have done already, and it's uh, your book titled Common Sense from the Common Man, a Common Man Survival Guide <laughs> for Common Men, which is a delightful read, by the way, and I do uh, suggest it for every listener to get their copy now on the Amazon app. It's available now on Kindle, hardcover, and paperback formats. Uh, there goes my sales <laughs> plug for you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate the plug. And, no. you know, funny enough, I, thinking back on it, I think I was 40 when I wrote that. Maybe. Oh, wow. Um, I know, you know, it's kind of hard in my age to remember stuff. Everything just, you know, kind of melts all in together. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, the funny thing about that book was I, I didn't write that book with an intention of saying, hey, I'm going to go out and write a book. It was more of a, an exercise for me because I, I had a really bad habit before then. Uh-huh. Um, even up until my late thirties of not finishing anything, I'd always, uh, have all these dreams and say, Hey, I'm going to do this. And I'd start off and then, you know, I'd kind of never finish anything. So I said, let me do one thing and maybe that will catapult me into everything else in life and kind of be successful in other endeavors. And I said, I'm going to stick with this. And it's not a long read. I mean, you've got the book a little thin, uh, maybe about 110, 112 pages, but it's something that I know I've completed and, and that was really good for me. And, if it helps other people in the process, if somebody can get just a gleaning of information that may help them, then, then I'm happy about that, too. Oh, wonderful. By the way, how long did it take for you to write this? Uh, it was that long. It was, well, uh, if you count the total time, it was mm-hmm. probably like five years because for the I wrote the first 11 pages, and then I just didn't do anything after that. And then I picked it up five years later and said, you know what, let me finish this. And then I finished up maybe about six months. Oh wow, that's cool. I mean, just to see the just to see the the end product is just absolutely amazing. No, yeah. I, I'm I'm glad you you have a copy and that you read it and enjoyed it. It's, I mean, I don't call myself an author by any means, but it was a lot of mental vomit just uh, putting out my thoughts on a page. But I think that they're constructed well enough that people can understand it. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, if anybody's interested, yeah, definitely check it out. Um, but uh, I, I'm glad that I was able to finish something for me. And so I, I don't really promote the book on my own. Really. It, was, it was just a very good personal achievement. Okay. All right. Once again, folks, it's uh, Common Sense from the Common Man, a Common Man survival guide for Common Man. And the, uh, the author, I'm speaking to him right now, is Dan Bale, B-A-E-L. So do a search on Amazon. And uh, yeah, get a good read on it. I recommend it. All right, and then, you know, a lot. appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome, man. And and man, it's just so good to to speak to you and and to have this this book in front of me and and now talking to you is an honor. And I see it's autographed too, which is man, this is just brilliant. And I'm just I'm always putting this <laughs> thing on the bookshelf all the time, and I I see it proudly every time I I walk into the room. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. All right, as for me. I'm living in the moment right now. I'm learning new things as my circle gets smaller and smaller. And Dan, Dan, I don't, I don't mind that at all. You know, I had my first paid photography gig a few, few years ago from a friend's wedding, and but that's it for now. I didn't have any more gigs after that. But you know, I was just proud of the moment. You know, I still continue taking snapshots whenever I can on the daily, and it's only a matter of time till it becomes the real deal. You know, having a legit business like this. Um, I started getting into a habit of writing a novel. I'm sure you already know about that. You see that those Facebook updates pop up and, uh, I'm on mm -hmm. my, I'm about to go on my 18th chapter right now. And it's getting exciting as it's, as it's going, uh, it's, it's starting to pace up a lot more. Of course I cannot hey, shed all yeah. the details just yet, but it's, you know, it's going to be quite the read once, once the product is out there and I hope it will. I hope it sees its light of day, just like your, your book did. At least it gets to, you get to see it published and that's, that's already a, an accomplishment in itself. Yeah, I, and I'm sure you will. You've got a very good cadence, you know, on your Facebook updates about getting through the book and 18 chapters. It's a big accomplishment. I'm really looking forward to reading it. Hey, you know, who knows? Maybe I might uh, adapt it into a movie. Oh, yeah, I mean, that would be wonderful. And who knows? You may have a, a walk-on role. You may never know. <laughs> you know. I hope one day that, well, I know there are like two Filipino characters that are, are part of the, you know, the, the wonderful supporting characters in the story. And I hope they... They will say Filipino, and that they will cast uh, actually a Filipino. That'd be really cool. <laughs> but they they are part that of the cool. diversity of the story, uh, and they they pretty much hold the story up with with other characters, with the main character. Oh well, that's that's, that's good to know. And and if it's not us, then uh, Dante Bosco, we're talking to you. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'll I'll definitely love to ha to to get any one of those Basco brothers on on the screen again. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I did write a, a first novel a long, long time ago. It's just like you. Um, you know, I wrote it for a few years, put it on the side. It, it, it's right now it's shelved. And I think I just finished a rough draft. It just needs a little bit of some revisions. Maybe I'll have uh, the Grammarly app to look into that, um, you know, for any, anything that needs to be proofread. Cause right now it's just, it looks bad in a way I wrote it you know, just like after college. So this is, it's kind of feels weird reading it again because mm -hmm. I just got out of college and I'm just reading a 20 something year old's work and I'm here. I am already at 46. So it's, it's really going to hit me hard when I read it again. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's going to be different, you know, looking from a, a different set of eyes, even though it's your, your same physical eyes, you know, you got a lot of different experiences that have shaped you into, you know, somebody who's grown since then so uh, you know you, you may love it and say hey i want to go ahead and, and redo this work on this but 
it's, it's always good to go back and, and reminisce on that stuff, especially when, when it's something that you know we're, we're proud of what we accomplished back then and to see how we react to it now. Yeah. Hopefully I'll have time to revise that in the near future, and I'll probably be like the second book after that. Uh, you know, it took me years to get here, but I finally got into the 2400 Block Podcast, this thing right here. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I got into the ginormous world of podcasting. Uh, you know, after all these years, and many people have been saying to me, oh, John, you should be on radio. You got that personality. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, one day. But, um, you know, I never thought about podcasting. Never, never really had the idea of getting into podcasting, but you no, know, I mean, here we are now. I'm in my forties. Mm -hmm. eh, you know, my circle of friends got smaller. I'm, you know, I'm pretty much working for the most part. Need time for myself, learning more about myself, and that's the good part about getting older is that you start having time for yourself. You kind of distance yourself from all that what was happening around us. You know, back in the day. Yeah. Um, exactly. I, I think. A, a good lesson that a lot of people learn growing up, and it's, it's definitely one of the biggest lessons that I've learned, is that as you get older, you start to realize that you need to stop worrying about what other people think about what you do or what you say, mm -hmm. and you're, you're living your life for yourself. So in our 40s now, we're, we're starting to see, I, I'm going to do stuff that makes me happy. I'm not trying going out to try to see other people. So do that podcast, you know, write that book. And, and that's why... I said, hey, I'm not just going to go ahead and just keep doing my, my, my job just to you know, satisfy my boss. I'm going to go ahead and start doing things on my own. And like I said, that's how I got uh, into making, you know, making these shorts and documentaries. So definitely, definitely happy about where I'm at. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I plan on continuing to do, just to, to be more at peace and to continue my craft, uh, especially, mm -hmm. especially at this age, man. Um, what other work do you do besides, um, you know, film work and, and writing a book? Are there, are there any other hobbies you, you do on the side, you know, just to make use of your time? Uh, I, you know, especially with, with pandemic, I do it more now. It's a lot more cooking. Uh, uh -oh. I like to be very experimental with cooking. Um, uh -huh. You know, of course, it's cook to eat, but I, I think I've reached a, a certain level where I'm I'm pretty decent where people would enjoy my food. I mean, I know I do. I'm looking down at my gut. I definitely enjoy my food. But, um, have your, uh, have your wife uh, tasted your cooking? Does she like it? Oh, yeah. She loves it. Yeah. All right. She's, uh, yeah. So she's uh, definitely a fan. She always has to tell me, okay, stop making so much stuff. Like, I don't want to eat. <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> because it's not always the healthiest food that I make. And uh, but, uh, but, yeah, that, that's definitely something that's on my side. No, no pun intended. <laughs> That's cool. Um, if if I could uh, tell you a little bit more about maybe, you know, these success stories. You know, there was someone that I known personally that was so close to, to making it. And, you know, she was actually in a, in a halfway house and she, she wanted to start life mm -hmm. over in a good way. And, you know, it just so happens that someone routed out on her, you know, on her background mm -hmm. while she was on her job. And next thing you know, mm -hmm. she got fired. And, you know, yeah. that later led to a relapse and, and drug addiction. And, you know, a few years, I think a, a year or two later, she passed away. That's, oh, that, that's God, very that's sad. sad. I was really rooting for her, but to, to see this happen to a person, that's, uh, man, that's, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, you just never know, and you know, what, what's ahead for us. Mm -hmm. 
which is why, you know, as you get older and, and you see stuff like that happening to people around you, your friends, that, you know, you start to cherish everything you do. You start to realize what's important, that, you know, getting the nicer car isn't always important or, you know, mm-hmm. getting, you know, the latest phone isn't, isn't really important. It's, it's your experiences with, with people and it's, you know, how you spend your time and how you can just remember you make, you know, and, and that when you start appreciating the stuff that, that that's actually intangible but valuable to you, then, you know, you, you realize that, that, you know, life is precious and you gotta yeah. take advantage of every moment. So very true. So very true. Yeah. You, yeah, did, did, you know, I, do you know anyone that I'm has sorry. faced a, a success story that's been going through, you know, the, the struggles and then overcoming the odds to become, you know, great? Yeah, I had, um, she was uh, actually, when I was back in the game, she was my real estate agent and um, mm-hmm. she was actually a financial advisor as well. And she had a very uh, good success story. She, um, she had, uh, you know, an abusive you know, household. Um, and so she ran away with her sister when she was a teenager and was living out of her car sometimes, and, you know, not, you know, not always had it in a safe way. But then, uh, one day at a diner when she was like in her twenties, <clears throat> she was eating alone and this old man came up to her and he sat down and asked if he could, you know, you know, keep her company. She's mm-hmm. fine. And then so he introduced himself. He was into real estate. Uh-huh. And he gave her some pointers about how he became successful. And, you know, she wrote, she wrote down notes on an African for and she took her own notes. And she actually became very successful in real estate and um, getting properties and becoming landlords with properties. And when I met her, she had probably 18 or 20 properties at the time. Oh. Um, and so she, like I said, from homeless teenager to, you know, eventually probably maybe late 30s, early mm. 40s, when she started getting really successful. And then she uh, started her um, financial seminars, which, you know, was even even more successful. She's just, you know, sharing sharing the wealth, basically, sharing her knowledge. So, and I, I think she's still, uh, still a very uh, prominent, successful realtor uh, in, the, in that area now. So, no, that's definitely great. a big turnaround. That is awesome. I love hearing things like that. It's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I have another, well, sure. acquaintance of mine, mm-hmm. um, uh, but he, he didn't, uh, he wasn't that much of a, a late starter. I, I think he got successful in his 30s, but um, definitely grew up poor. It was just um, him and his mom and his sister, Canadians. And they were, I don't even know why I brought up this Canadian. <laughs> um, they, they were very poor up until he, you know, he was able to go to college though. And, um, he started, uh, probably when he was about 30, his first capital investment company. And now he, this guy is, is not close to a billionaire. Um, he's very successful with investment, um, owns several newspapers, um, big in sporting goods and sporting equipment. Um, Mainly like uh, uh, winter hockey stuff. Like he provides a lot of uh, equipment for like uh, the uh, the Winter Olympics in the mm-hmm. NHL. Um, but definitely, he still has those grassroots of of being um, not letting success get to his head because he still is very thrifty with his money. <laughs> I don't think he needs to be, but um, he is. 
Um, but uh, yeah, and like I said, he probably got successful in his in his mid thirties. So it wasn't you know one of those just overnight whiz kids on Wall Street that at eighteen, you know, yeah, found a, you know got got a fortune when he was young. So took some time, but uh, he definitely did it. Cool. Yeah. All right, I'm going to talk about another. Kept in better touch with him. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um. Yeah, I'm going to talk about another success story, but, you know, it's something that you and I already know. We know him. He's been in our high school. He's also, you know, our, our you know, good friend. I'm sure you're, you're friends with his brothers. Is none other than Danny Angelis. He's already uh, about to turn 46 uh, next month. And, man, the guy is just, just so awesome right now, just being, you know, still physically fit enough and, you know, competitive enough to participate in these sports like tennis and basketball. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Even despite a, a torn meniscus he has, he's still playing. Oh, did he have a torn meniscus? You know, hey, you know, good for him. You know, I'm uh-huh. sure Danny with a torn meniscus is better than my my best day in athletics. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, guy's a beast. Yes, he is, and I'm 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 glad to still maintain contact with him. He's he's sharing these photos and videos and. Him holding these trophies and uh, or having a medal—that's just amazing in itself. I know. Yeah, I just remember, you know, meeting him the first time when he was like nine years old, <laughs> just a little kid. And it's funny we used to um, be in a Filipino folk dance group together when I was in middle school, uh-huh. and um, they had had to differentiate us. So I was Danny Big, and he was Danny Small. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Woo. Well, Dan, here we go. We're going to wrap it up. Thank you very much right. for being my guest here on the 2400 Block Podcast. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to keep in touch with you again real soon. We've got to talk more, uh, especially about San Antonio, man. You know, my my girlfriend, she's a Tim Duncan fan. So, <laughs> I mean, hopefully one day yeah. you have, you'll, you'll bump into the man himself. I haven't yet. I, you know, he's, he's one of the, the, the guys that eluded me. I've seen a couple, but yeah, not him yet. Yeah, but at least you met those Cobra Kai guys, and uh, you know that's 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 really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, that's one thing. I, you know, it's, it's funny when I when I moved here for some reason, I, I had a lot of brushes with celebrities for some reason. Oh yeah. Well, I guess part of it is you know it was what I do uh, as far as the film part but but even then it's like uh, I <laughs> it's a funny story I was one of our um, local liquor stores I'll say I was there to buy to buy something uh-huh. there's a long line I'm like what's going on here and it's like apparently George Lopez was there because he had a tequila <laughs> label and <laughs> I think okay well let me stand in line and meet George Lopez and sure enough yeah he's nice guy so I got a couple of pictures of him uh-huh. and funny enough I was wearing a short with a shirt with George Jefferson on it and yeah, we're the long George today. <laughs> oh, but, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Dan, for being my special guest. And uh, looking no, forward to... Thank you for having me. Yeah, looking forward to many more to come, man, especially for uh, Season 2 coming up, folks, January 2021. Gives me, time to write my, gives me time to write my book. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that, too. All right. All right, guys, catch y'all later. Who is Kendrick Jackson? 
I know what you're possibly thinking right now. Yeah, who the fuck is Kendrick Jackson? And why is it important to know who he is? Ironically, the who I am is not the most important question. In fact, I could have gone the remainder of my life not needing to know who I was and just keep living my life to the best of my ability. I personally like the privacy of observation without identification. Not necessarily a peeping Tom, but an observer of behavior, traits, and patterns. The who I am is important to me because of the importance of achieving my greatest potential. Collectively, the true question is, who are you? And why is it important to know who you are? But my story is the introspection into the search of consciousness itself. As I write, I just turned 44 years old in September. According to this point in time of my life in Western civilization, specifically in California here in the United States, I am supposed to have a pretty good size nest egg, great job, amazing benefits, nice house, nice car, many hobbies, well traveled, blah, 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 etc., etc., you see, how this could be a, a blessing and a curse, I don't know. I will spend the remainder of my time here explaining. Let's take a trip back to spring 2013. I spent a whole lifetime trying to be the best and live up to standards I set or standards set for me by either society or my family. Up to that crossroad in 2013, I had already been sorely divorced, had just about every job under the sun, so I thought. Still, I wasn't happy nor satisfied with how my life has turned out. I felt like I did what I was supposed to do, work hard, never give up, keep moving forward. Apparently, I was missing something in the life equation. Excuse me. Please don't judge me. That is not COVID-19. I have a common cold. And it is cold season and flu season. So you will not contract COVID-19 through this voice transmission. Anyways, by this time I had been through my, through many jobs, divorced and paying child support and stress completely out. I had a meltdown and felt numb and unable to give a fuck about anything. Things felt so dark, I couldn't even laugh like I used to. All I know is, death didn't seem that bad at all. I checked into a mental facility in Los Angeles voluntarily at the advice of a friend and began trying to feel again. It was then I was it was then that I was diagnosed with ADHD and major depression. At that moment, I didn't believe that ADHD could be the case. I wasn't hyperactive. I wasn't disruptive. However, I learned that ADHD looks very different in adults and affects the executive function of the brain. (coughs) Excuse me. You know, planning shit being on time for shit, 
and motivation to do shit. It was a definite aha moment. But what do I do now? Thanks for listening to this episode of the 2400 Block Podcast. Feel free to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Overcast, and Spotify.